This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Mark chapter 11 gives us what I believe to be the most concise explanation on the subject of faith that we have in all the Scripture. And Jesus is the one that gives it to us. Now, notice it says this is in result in response, I should say, to Jesus having cursed the fig tree the morning before. And now they come by the next day and the fig tree is dried up from the roots. There's no green leaf on it anymore. It looks like it's been dead for a month or a year or maybe dead forever. And the disciples call his attention to this and say, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus says to them, beginning in verse 22, Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. He did not say, yeah, this happened as a special miracle to prove to you that I'm the Son of God. See, so many people look at the things that Jesus did and think, oh, he did those because he was the Son of God. If so, why did Jesus tell them how to do it too? He's explaining faith is the, the, the action, the supernatural operation that brought about this miraculous result. Now he's going to define what faith is. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus is giving us the description of faith. And notice what Jesus put the emphasis on. He said the condition was don't doubt in your heart, but instead believe in your heart. But notice where he put the emphasis. He didn't put the emphasis on believing. He put the emphasis on speaking. Let's read verse 23 again. He said, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Let's count how many times the word say is in that verse relative to the believer and compare that with how many times believe is in the verse. Because see, when you talk about faith, when you talk about believing, everybody focuses on the believing part. And everybody, most everybody, ignores the saying part. Yet Jesus reversed that. Jesus put the emphasis on speaking and not the believing. So let's count them. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, So whosoever shall say, there's say in one form, or one time, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. There's believe one time. So now we're even. One time say, one time believe. But shall believe in his heart, that those things which he saith, there's second time for say, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, most people would expect that that would say, instead, he shall have whatsoever he believes. But it doesn't say that. It says he'll have whatsoever he says. You know, I um, uh, when I went to uh, Bible school in uh, 1980, first got around Brother Hagin, I had listened to him a little bit before then, and uh, enough to know that that's where I wanted to go to school and that type of thing. I was familiar with his ministry, but had really, really had not... Listened in, in great depth or detail. I had a, uh, I probably had two, maybe three of his tape series and I had listened to those pretty well through, you know, several times maybe on, on one of them or two of them. But, uh, but by and large, I, I, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about, uh, Brother Hagin's ministry or hadn't heard a lot of his teaching, but I just knew that's where God wanted me to be. So I wound up going to, uh, to Ramah and, uh, got there in the, in the, uh, fall of 1980. Well, it was um, just a matter of a couple of months after I got to uh, to Rama that the Lord put me together with, with Brother Hagen in a supernatural way. I didn't try to arrange it. it I'm, I've seen other people try to arrange things like that, and it didn't work. 
But God put me, I wound up being over at the guy's house. I was uh, working out with a, a friend of mine uh, that was uh, part of the, the same singing group that Beth was a part of, worked there at uh, school. He and I had been to the gym, so he said, you want to go swimming? I said, well, yeah, sure, whatever. It was a Sunday, and uh, Sunday afternoon. And so we wound up going over to Brother Hagen's house swimming. Well, I didn't even know where we were until Brother Hagen came and answered the door. And I almost fell down right there, thinking, oh, dear God, I'm at Brother Hagen's house. And he, I'm thinking, my first thought is, what am I doing here? And then I looked up at him, and I could tell he was thinking the same thing. <laughs> what are you doing here? I didn't invite you. Who are you? Well, over a period of time, I wound up being around Brother Hagen and, and hearing some things. That in uh, Well, Brother Hagen went home to be with the Lord in 2003. So I had 23 years of, of knowing Brother Hagen personally, and I had a chance to hear some things that I only heard him over 23 years. I only heard him say publicly one time. And I never could figure out why he wouldn't talk about that. Never could figure it out. Never could figure, I never asked him about it. It's none of my business. But I never could figure out why he wouldn't make a bigger deal about it because it made such a difference to me. And I asked him about it. I said, look, I, we were swimming. He, and, and Brother Hagen learned to swim when he was, what, 70 years old? Something like that. Nobody had the heart to tell him he's dog paddling. But he would, he'd just paddle around in the pool. Well, he, he was, because he'd never swum and, and, you know, he'd never had been athletic because of the, the health issues they had and born with a deformed heart and all the problems that you may have heard about, he didn't have any confidence in the pool, so he wouldn't get in by himself. So we'd be in the pool and I'd ask him questions. I'd start talking to him about stuff and I, and I asked him, I said, now, I need to know some things about when you got healed. Because I had the idea that when he got healed, and some of you have heard his testimony, heard him, or heard me relate his testimony perhaps, about when he finally realized, I've got to say and believe that I'm healed, even while the sickness is in my body, even before the deformed heart changes, even before the blood disease changes or goes away or is, is fixed or anything, I've got to claim my healing now before I see the answer, before, before I see the result. Well, when he did that, the power of God hit him, and he wound up standing up in his room, healed from that moment forward. But I always thought that meant that he never had any problems. Now, again, remember, I've only been at school for about three months at this point in time. So I started asking him. I heard him tell the story. When he was healed off the deathbed, uh, what the doctor said was the deathbed, he weighed 89 pounds. Well, I, I never really thought this through, but I guess I just assumed that, you know, in a week or two, he weighed 150. I guess I just assumed that since he's healed, then, then everything just automatically fixed itself. And, and by the next day or a couple of days down the road... But he didn't have any more problems. And that's not at all the way it went with him. He said, he explained, he started telling me some stories about it. He explained that even after he was healed, he said the doctors couldn't understand. They couldn't figure out how he was able to be out of the bed. They didn't have some of the x-rays and things like that that they could run tests with nowadays. And, and probably a good thing. Because the doctor still wouldn't have confirmed anything that was going on. But he said the doctors, uh, the doctor that was on his case told uh, some other people in town, I'll give him 90 days. He'll be dead in 90 days. And he said this. He said people would ask me on the street. He said I'd walk downtown or down to the, the town square or something like that, see friends on the street, and they'd say, Kenneth, how are you doing? How you, and they'd, they'd ask him, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Uh, you know, uh, you still have any trouble with your heart? Man, you look like you can't hardly even stand up. Well, he said, this was his report. He said, that I would answer them in the same way that they would ask me. They'd say something like, you know, well, you look like you're just about to fall over. And he'd say, well, I feel that way. 
And he said, people would, uh, would oftentimes say, well, you know, I tell you what, just stay here for a second. Sit down right here on this, this bench or whatever and let me run get the car. I'll take you home. You don't have to walk all the way home. So they put him in the car, take him home. And by the time he got home, he was feeling so bad, he wound up having to go to bed. Well, Brother Hagin said after a period of time, he said he's getting worse and worse and worse. And he said, I could tell I'm headed back to this bed. And so I, I asked the Lord about it. I said, now, Lord, there's, uh, there's something I'm not making connection with here. He's already been healed from the standpoint that the power of God raised him off the deathbed. But now he's still got some of the same physical symptoms that he had before he went to the bed, before he became bed fast. So he said, I began to ask the Lord about it. He said, the Lord didn't say anything to me. Hey, he said, I don't know exactly what I was expecting to hear, but he said, I didn't hear anything. He said, and so I started thinking, now, what did I do? to begin with, that made the difference. Well, he knew it was based on the Word. He knew it was the revelation that he got that the woman with the issue of blood uh, in Mark chapter 5, her faith made her whole so his faith could make him whole. He knew faith had to be based on the Word. And then he realized, wait a minute, the thing that got me off the sick bed to begin with was that I said that I believe my, I received my healing for the deformed heart, for the blood disease, for, for all the other things that he mentioned, whatever the, else the doctor told him was the, the issue. And he had about three or four things, and the doctor said, if it was just any one of these things, that'd be enough to kill you, but you got them all. He said, I realized that what I did is I claimed healing for those things before I saw any difference. Now, folks, you need to realize, it's easy for us with, with maybe the teaching that we've heard, or, or from my standpoint, it's hard for me to imagine he was ever at that place. But that's where people are at. That's where people live. They're believing one thing based on what preaching they've heard or based on what knowledge of the Word that they have. But then they've got symptoms that contradict that. And what do they do? And folks, this is everything when it comes to believing with the heart. Everything. He said, I realized that when people were asking me, how are you feeling? I would tell them how I'm feeling. And he said, I'd always get worse. Whenever I do that, I'd always get worse. He said, I realize that what I need to do is instead, and he used these words, he said, instead of answering according to how I felt, I needed to say what I believed no matter how I felt. He said, so I put that to the test. He said, next day I went looking for somebody to ask me how am I feeling. He said, I didn't find anybody right away, so I started asking them, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Well, you know what people do. Anytime you ask them, they always turn around and ask you back. And then, instead of answering according to the way he felt, and sometimes they'd say the same thing. Well, boy, you look like you're just about to fall over. You sure you're okay? And he'd say, well, according to the Word of God, I'm healed. Now, what is he doing? He's believing with his heart. Folks, this is the difference where the subject of faith is concerned. Here's the difference between success and failure. And it all comes down to what Jesus said. It comes down to what you say. The question is, where are you going to speak from? Are you going to speak from your feelings? Or are you going to speak according to that word you put on the inside of you? But it still comes down to saying, because you always have what you say. If you speak from your flesh, you're going to have according to what you say relative to your feelings. If you speak from what you've put in your, your heart, the word of God that you put in your heart, you're going to have the answer from the word. You're going to have the, the results that the Word says are yours. And so he said that he would be in the same thing. He said he was downtown. He said people would say, well, let me give you a ride home. He said, no, I'm fine. I, I want to walk. I need the exercise. He said, I'd walk. By the time I got home, he said, almost all the symptoms had changed. He said, I realized I was on to it then. 
He said, I'd go looking for people. Symptoms would come back on me. He said, I'd go looking for people to ask, how are you doing? Just wait for them to ask me. Because what he's doing is, he's making a confession from his heart. He's speaking from his heart. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Now, folks, you can let somebody steal your possession. I can go home this afternoon after church and find out that people have moved into my house and, and, and taken over. And I could just walk away. I could just say, well, this seems unfair. Or I could go in my closet and get my gun and clean them out. It's my choice. And my choice is going to be determined by how much I really believe this is mine. And that's exactly what taking hold of your possessions, taking hold of the finished work of Jesus, taking hold of the abundance of grace, that's what that really is all about. It's about you determining, is the Bible true that says, this is mine? Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, that's what it means to believe from your heart, is to let your heart agree with the things that you're saying, not just because you feel something. That's what Jesus said you have to guard against. He said, don't doubt in your heart. Well, if believing with your heart means you're saying according to the decisions you've made in your, in your heart or your spirit, you're speaking according to the word that you put in your heart, then doubt in your heart would be speaking according to your feelings. Now, with that in mind, read verse 23 again. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not speak from his feelings, but shall believe, speak the word of God that he's put inside of him, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Do you realize the importance of saying Do you realize that, con- that Christianity is called the Great Confession? You know why Christianity is called the Great Confession? Because you can't get saved without confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's impossible. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he said, If thou shalt believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and shall confess him as Lord, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means you don't get saved until after you confess. Jesus is your Lord. Now think about that for a minute. We think of it as an instantaneous thing. But the Bible says that confession is made unto salvation. That means salvation doesn't come until you speak first. Do you know the same thing is true where healing is concerned? Healing doesn't come until you speak God's word regarding healing first. Speaking is necessary before the results can come. Now, verse 24. Jesus said, because this is the way it works, because you can have what you say from your heart, not from your feelings or from your flesh, but you can have what you say from your heart, Then he says in verse 24, therefore I say unto you, in other words, because this is true, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, 
When you pray, believe that you receive them, being the things that you desire, and you shall have them. Now, how are we going to have them? By speaking from our hearts. He said the principle of faith works by saying. Verse 23 doesn't say one word about praying or asking God for anything. Verse 24 tells you how faith works in prayer. Why does faith work in prayer? Because you can't pray without speaking. You cannot pray without speaking. We could go through the Bible and look at example after example of people that got what they said. Do you realize the woman with the issue of blood got exactly what she said? Turn with me over to Mark chapter 5. Maybe this would be a good place for us to close. Mark chapter 5 tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We'll start in verse 25. It says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now she's not only sick, she's sick and broke. Things are not going in her favor. Verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Why did she do that? Verse 28. For or because she said. Because she said. Notice she said, and it said something before she ever took action. She said something before she ever took action. She came in the press behind and touched his garment for or because she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now Jesus, skip down to verse 34 where Jesus starts talking to her. And Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. How do we know it was her faith? Because of what she said. Faith is all about what you say. Jesus recognized when he heard the story, I heard about you, I began to say, if I can just touch your clothes, I'll be whole. So I came in this crowd and reached out from behind to touch you. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. How did Jesus know it was faith? Because she told him what she said. How does God know that you're in faith? Because of what he hears you say. Now, if you're talking about how you feel... I've seen people that go to Bible school. I've seen people that have been in this stuff for 30 years. I, I, this is something that many people continually trip over again and again and again. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I can't say something that I don't have. Then you'll never have anything different than what you've got now. She got what she said because what she said was what she desired, not because not what she had. Notice if it had said, tell me how the story would have been different. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, but she said, I can't believe that I can't seem to get better over this. What would she have gotten? Not a thing. If you go through and read the rest of the story, you'll find out she's not the only one reaching out to touch Jesus. Because when Jesus feels power go out of him, he turns him around to the press and says, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, Master, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? That's King James English for saying, Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Well, if everybody's touching him, how come she's the only one that got anything? Because she's the only one that said she'd get something. She's the only one that said she would get something. 
Brother Hagin told me that from that point on, he said it was one of the greatest lessons of faith that he ever learned. He said from that point on, it was about 90 days after he had been healed in his bedroom and raised up off the deathbed, what he called the deathbed, what the doctor said was the deathbed. He said from that point, he said, I began to get better and better because I realized that the principle of faith was that I had to say what I believed from my heart based on what the Word says instead of saying how I felt. He said that's when I began to put on weight. He said that's when the, the symptoms of the deformed heart began to leave. He said that's when the blood uh, disease, the, whatever the situation was, whatever was missing in his blood, he said that's when that began to change. And he said slowly but surely those things began to show up in doctor tests. They began to show up with the examinations that he had when he went back to the doctor. He said, but it was a period of time after I began to say. He said, I regained strength almost instantly when I began to speak from my heart instead of speaking according to my feelings. He said, but that's when, slowly but surely, he said those things began to correct themselves. He said, that's when I began to put on weight. He said, that's when I didn't look like I was about to fall over and die at any moment. In other words, he got what he said. I don't know if you know this, or, well, there's no, there wouldn't be any way for you to know this unless I told you. When, uh, when Brother Hagin went home to be with the Lord in 2003... Dad had always said, he, he, breakfast was his favorite meal. And he loved strawberries for breakfast. He, when I was, uh, the time, the few times that I was over there for breakfast, I was usually there later in the day. But, uh, the few times I was there for breakfast, whenever mom would have strawberries and she'd put whipped cream on them and stuff like that, he had pushed back and he'd say, I heard him say this probably three or four times over the course of, uh, 15 years maybe. He'd say, now when I go home to be with the Lord, that's how I'm gonna go. He said, I'm going to finish a good breakfast with strawberries, and I'm just going to check out and go. Well, I didn't assume that he was saying it from his heart. I didn't assume that he was making plans or anything like that. We all just laughed and understood that he was saying, boy, I really like breakfast like this. Well, that's exactly the way he went home. He pushed away from the table, finished his strawberries, pushed away from the table, and leaned his head and his chin into his chest and went home. That's it. Now... They called the paramedics, people that were there called the paramedics, as you can well understand. And the paramedics got there, they knew who he was. And where normally they would work on somebody for a short period of time to try to revive them or resuscitate them or something like that, they'd get those, the portable uh, paddles and, and shock you and stuff like that. They shocked him 27 times. Because the EMTs did not want to go back and say, we're the ones that let Kenneth Hagin go. He was well known in the city. These people knew who he was. They knew that it was a special situation. And where normally, I think they said normally they would try somebody, try to, to hit them three or four times to, to bring them back. They hit him 27 times trying to come back. Well, the coroner has got to have a, a cause of death. And so they did an autopsy on him. Do you know the strongest thing they said about him was his heart? They did an autopsy on him. They said he had the heart of a 25-year-old man. Now, the doctor said because of his deformed heart, he had never lived past 16 years of age. But the autopsy they performed on him at 86, the doctor said he had the heart of a 25-year-old man. They, did, they put heart failure. It wasn't a heart attack. They, they got to write something down. What are they going to put? They talked it over with the family. They said, what would you like us to put on this? We don't have an answer. We know his heart stopped. 
Is it okay if we put heart failure on there? They said, yeah, whatever you think. He just went home. What I want you to understand, though, is that he began to get exactly what he said. It took a long time for me to understand that it was a process for him just like it's a process for us. Because I don't know about you, but I like instant results. No, you're not like that, are you? You want it to take a long time, huh? Everybody wants instant results. Very few things come instantly. And let me tell you something else. The things that you do get instantly, you don't appreciate them the way that you would otherwise. The things that come easy, you lose easy. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen people that, that, that receive their healing quickly, instantly in many cases, and they're back in, in just a short period of time needing help again. But F.F. F. Bosworth found the same thing. He said sometimes our instant healings are a curse to us instead of a blessing. He said, but you find somebody that receives healing because they struggled through the fight of faith and received it because God's Word says so and only because God's Word says it's theirs. He said, now that's something the devil never will never be able to take from them. For that reason, I've tried to. I'm not there yet, but I try to not look at things from the standpoint of time. And I always know whenever somebody comes and says, well, Pastor Mike, why is it taking so long? I know exactly where they are. They're trying to judge the truth of the Word of God by what they see. Whether they realize it or not, they're speaking out of their feelings. They're saying, it doesn't look like it's working because here's how I feel. And folks, that's not faith. That's not Bible faith. That's doubting in your heart. Brother Hagin used to make a statement that, that stuck with me the first time I ever heard it. He said, doubt is of the, or he said that faith is of the heart. And he said, faith will work in your heart even when there's doubt in your mind. He said, the key to keep doubt from being just in your mind to becoming doubt of the heart, which stops faith from working, he said, are the words that you speak. He said, no matter what doubt comes to your mind, as long as you keep saying what the Bible says, you're on good ground. Folks, there's nothing more important than what you say. What are you saying? What you have today is a result of what you've been saying before, yesterday. And whatever yesterdays were before that. If you want things to change tomorrow, you're going to have to start changing what you say today. Because you will have what you say. It's a spiritual law. It works for everybody, saved and unsaved. Everybody has what they say. The most important way to use your words is to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the only way you can come into the family of God is through Jesus. And that's by believing that God raised him from the dead and confessing him as your Lord. So a simple prayer of salvation would be something like this. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth, that he died for my sins, and you raised him from the dead. Therefore, I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father for saving me, and for accepting me into your family. That's all there is to it. If you've never prayed that prayer, I encourage you to do that today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. 
That means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.